Bite-Sized Birthday Biography Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Mira. This is a daily podcast which shines a spotlight on a person born on this day at some point in history somewhere in the world who made a positive lasting impact. Today, October 13th, we're going to celebrate the birth and life of Mary Hayes, aka Molly Pitcher, who was born on this day in 1744. So today's human in history is our first person whose life may be at least in part legend. Depending on your sources, some have Mary Hayes as Molly Pitcher. Others say that she may have been one of several women whose brave conduct during the Revolutionary War led to their lives being melded into this potentially apocryphal figure of Molly Pitcher. I looked into five different resources regarding the identity of Molly Pitcher, and they all agree that there is evidence, ranging from some to quite a bit, depending on who you ask, that the original inspiration for the story of Molly Pitcher is Mary Hayes, although there is some evidence that Margaret Corbin, a woman who also fought in the war, could have contributed to this story in some way. So breaking down the Molly Pitcher name, Molly is a pretty common diminutive of Mary, at least back then. And soldiers would call out Molly Pitcher when they needed water for themselves or to clean out their their weapons. So that's how the name Molly Pitcher came to be. Let's get into the life of Mary Hayes, aka Molly Pitcher. So Mary was born, and that's pretty much all we know for sure about her childhood. We're going to go with what's on her grave and say that her birthday is October 13th, 1744, even though some historians think This is more of a guess, and a couple say that she was born in 1754. In terms of where she was born, the running consensus is Trenton, New Jersey, but some sources say Pennsylvania. Her parents, we know, were Maria and Johann Ludwig, probably German immigrants, just going off their names. Uh, There was at least one sibling that we know of, a brother named Johann Jr., Dad was a butcher, and the family lived a pretty modest life, and times being what they were, Mary probably didn't have any formal education as schooling was reserved for boys back then. Later in life, she would be described as illiterate by a number of people, which sort of adds you know, some, some weight to the assertion that she didn't get a formal education. So Johann Sr. dies in January of 1769 when Mary was a teenager, And mom, Maria, she remarries five months later to a man named John Hayes. There's this eight-year gap in Mary's life that ends with her getting married to a barber named William Hayes. I'm going to assume that he was no relation to her stepfather, John Hayes, but one never knows. William ends up becoming an artilleryman at the disastrous Battle of Monmouth, For a brief recap of that, listen to Stay Alive from the Hamilton soundtrack. So in 1777, William enlists in the Proctor's 4th Pennsylvania Artillery. Winter rolls around and William's artillery group is holed up in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. Things are not going super hot, like literally, it's freezing. The troops are without supplies and food and shoes. They're eating their own horses. And Mary, who, according to various sources, was pregnant at this time, and she joins a group of women led by Martha Washington, and they join um, this artillery group to sort of help wash and cook and provide nursing for the wounded men. 
In early spring of 1778, the Continental Army was training under someone named Baron Friedrich Wilhelm von Steuben. Uh, this, of course, included artilleryman William. And as the men were training, they needed water in frequent abundance because the men not only got thirsty and dirty, but guns being what they were back then, they also needed water to clean out the gunpowder from the barrels of their rifles after every shot. So Mary and the other women found themselves primarily serving as water carriers during these exercises, and the men would call out Molly, pitcher, and she would run over to them with a pitcher of water. She was a favorite among the soldiers, everyone really liked her, and she was described as a 22-year-old illiterate pregnant woman who smoked and chewed tobacco and swore as well as any of the male soldiers. I'm not really sure if that was meant to be a compliment or not. Um, anyways, now we come to the Battle of Monmouth, June 28th, 1778. It's a disaster. The temperature is pushing triple digits. General Charles Lee is panicking. The troops are getting conflicting messages. It's a wreck. As the battle is literally heating up, Molly manages to locate a fresh spring of water for her water source, and it's today called the Molly Pitcher Spring. And she spends most of her time in the morning before the temp really peaked, hustling water to soldiers while also dodging enemy gunfire, I might add. Dealing with gunfire when you have a gun of your own is bad enough, but when you're only armed with a pitcher of water, now that's bravery. So by mid-afternoon, the temperature was like 100 degrees and men were dropping like flies. Over 100 soldiers alone would die of heat stroke. William ends up collapsing under the blazing sun, probably from heat stroke. He might have also been injured. We're not sure. Anyways, he's carried off the battlefield, leaving his cannon unmanned. Or shall I say unwomaned, because Mary jumped right behind the cannon and she continued to load the cannon, just as her husband had done. At one point, a British cannonball tore through her petticoat just below her crotch, ripping her dress to shreds. And she looks down and she says, well, it could have been worse. And she kept unloading the cannon. I mean, that is some ice cold badness in her veins right there. So this continues until darkness begins to fall and the fighting starts to die down due to worsening visibility. This was the end of the longest day of battle in the entire American Revolution. So the American soldiers expected to resume combat the next day, but overnight the British pulled out and pushed on to Sandy Hook, New Jersey. After this battle, General Washington inquires of the men who the woman was who he had seen loading cannons during the battle, and upon learning her name, he bestows upon her the rank of non-commissioned officer. The men began to call her Sergeant Molly, and she really liked that name, and she used it for the remainder of her life. Mary and William return to Pennsylvania, where Mary gives birth to a son named either John or Johann prior to William's death in 1786. So another big gap, seven years go by. Seven years after he dies, Mary is recorded as marrying a local prison stonecutter named John Macaulay, who had also served in the war and actually may have even been a friend of her first husband, William. This was a really bad match. John was a total jerk. He was violent. He was a wife beater. He wasted all of Mary's money that William had left her upon his death. Mary ends up having to sell the 200 acres of land that William left her when he died in order just to provide for herself and her son. So John finally walks out on Mary after having like spent all of her money um, between 1807 and 1810, uh, good riddance, and we never hear from John again. So John has left Mary in this completely destitute state, and Mary is forced to work as a servant. So she does nanny work. She 
takes care of elderly and firm people in her town. She paints houses. She takes in laundry. She was kind of a well-known figure about town. She was sort of marched to her different jobs that she had wearing this ruffled cap and this striped skirt. Um, everyone really liked her. Some people sort of would gossip a bit under their breath because she was known for having such a foul mouth, probably due to spending so much time around soldiers. So in 1822, she finally receives her non-commissioned officer pension from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. She's given 40 bucks a year back then, which is about $750 in today's money. So still not a lot of money to survive on. She dies at the age of 87 on January 22nd, 1832. She was buried at the Carlisle Old Graveyard in Pennsylvania. There is a Molly Pitcher plaque at the site of the Battle of Monmouth, and her likeness or her name have been bestowed upon everything from stamps to highways to battleships to races to brewing companies. A few of the other notable women who served in the war without the official honors of a male soldier include Margaret Corbin, who we talked about for a second at the beginning of the episode, and Deborah Sampson, who actually dressed up as a man and posed as a soldier to fight. There were many, many others, but their names have largely been lost to time, unfortunately. My sources today were Wikipedia, the American Battlefield Trust, the History Channel, and the National Women's History Museum. If you haven't yet, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It would mean the world to a totally homemade podcast. And if you're feeling social, you can follow Humans in History on Instagram at humans underscore in underscore history. Thank you so much for joining me for our birthday celebration of Molly Pitcher. Please join me tomorrow when we celebrate the birth and life of Joyce Bryant, the first African-American bombshell and powerhouse singer. See you then.